0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, July twenty fifth, two 2021. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and the moderator for this morning. The share ID numbers for Friday, July 23rd are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,412. That's 17,412. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,413. That's 17,413. This morning, A Vision for You presents From Jealousy and Pride to Gratitude and Humility. The goal... The aim and the objective of the program of recovery is a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening can be thought of as a new state of consciousness and being, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from compulsive overeating. As the result of the 12 steps, we experience an inward rearrangement that actually transforms us. We have a profound alteration in our attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and towards the world around us as a result of our new spiritual condition. We become aware of our defects of character our shortcomings which block our access to God our higher power hence blocking the way to happiness joy and freedom these undesirable parts of ourselves must be removed and replaced with godly character traits these changes and rearrangements that take place in our lives require a cooperative effort. God provides direction. We contribute the willingness to take the actions required. And then, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of our lives, are cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions, ideas, and attitudes begin to dominate us. We are changed in the way we think. We are changed in the way we feel. And especially, we are changed in the way we behave. The program of recovery, the 12 Steps, not only help to stop our compulsive overeating, but help us to live better lives. Joining us today to share her personal story of transformation as a result of these 12 Steps, is Roz G., a Recovered Compulsive Overeater from California. And it's with gratitude that I welcome Roz G. to the line. Good morning, Roz.
1: Good morning. Wow, what an introduction. Every word that was said is so true. All right, here I go. Hi, I'm Roz. I'm a Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Palmdale, California. I came into Overeaters Anonymous in the first week of January, 2002, a New Year's resolution, about 18 years ago. One week before, I was at my mother's house for Christmas, our usually our usual family gathering, 60 pounds overweight and overly sensitive, very resentful and jealous of my sisters. During the gift exchange, my mother gave the sisters sweaters. She gave them colorful sweaters and me a black one. What that meant to me was, Roz, you're fat. Your sisters are thin and beautiful and you're fat and ugly. So you got a black sweater because black fabric is thinning. No gratitude, no thank you, just my resentful thoughts. Of course, that was my self-righteous anger back then. I was the middle, and I am the middle child. With all of the hang-ups that accompanies order of birth, feeling resentful and sorry for myself. All I thought about that day, and most days, was how much I weigh, how I look, and what was there to eat. No gratitude for the real meaning of Christmas and family. After gift exchange, we got on the topic of weight, and my younger sister promptly said, "It looks as if you could stand to, use, to lose a few pounds." And on Christmas day, I cussed her out, ate more cookies, and I don't remember the rest of the day. The next day, I got up very early in the morning and drove to the local health food store to buy my flax oil and wheat germ cocktail to flush out the crap I had ate before. I drank that crap a lot. Later, I learned that was called laxative abuse. That messed with me a lot. I was so down, hurt, and out of ideas. And while I sat in my car in the parking lot, I vaguely remembered attending an Overeaters Anonymous many years prior. Maybe they could help me. I had been to Al Anon and my dad went to AA. Maybe they could help me. I went home to the computer a neighbor had given me. It was slow as molasses. I knew very little about computers. And I asked Jeeves about Overeaters Anonymous. It popped up and it said, welcome home. I navigated the page and looked for meetings and found one so close in my town, not far from my home. There was a meeting at a church the following Tuesday afternoon and I went. There were three kind souls there in a humble church kids nursery room. Maybe we've all been in rooms like that. Very comforting. I told them my Christmas Day experience with my head down, and when I looked up, their heads were nodding up and down, showing loving understanding. I can't recall ever feeling that heard and understood. It was a regular meeting, and at the end, a lady gave me a For Today daily reader and said, just put a dollar in the basket and it will pay for itself someday. I also got some hugs. I went to another meeting and I got my very first sponsor. She told me not to eat any sugar nor drink coffee. I said, I usually, try, I usually drink coffee to curb my hunger. She said, in OA, we learn how to feel our feelings. I didn't know what to say. What? WTF? <laughs> okay. I did what she said and thus began this 18-year journey. I believe I was born a compulsive overeater, though I was a very skinny child and young adult. Both of my parents had drinking problems. One sought AA, the other, me, uh, another means of sobriety. I'm Creole, a mixture of Black, Choctaw Indian, and French. I'm a descendant of Louisianians. We love the traditional dishes that come from Cajun and Creole cooking gumbo, jambalaya, beans and rice crawfish beignets and so on while my family had fish fries i remember being more interested in eating spaghettios out of the can i loved macaroni and cheese raviolios and all that canned crap i loved flaky flicks striped shortbread and famous famous cookies i liked eating the pillsbury dough man's chocolate chip cookie dough i loved licking cake batter off the beaters When I went to the kitchen pantry to get snacks and my mother said, not now, after your dinner goes down, I burned with rage and anger towards her. I grew up in a 99% white neighborhood, and the elementary school I went to had one black kid, and then there was me. There were a few Asian kids, but they seemed to fit in. I have family members with many skin tones, and when my black cousins came over, the white kids in the neighborhood saw their color and called me the N-word. I ha- I have and I, ha- I had and I have curly hair and brown eyes and most of my peers had blonde hair and blue eyes. I was called Brillo head. At this early age, fourth through sixth grade, it was ingrained in me that something was wrong with me. I was not acceptable and I began to wish I was something I was not. There was a big bully, Larry D., who was relentless with the name calling and bullying. Kind teachers rescued from me from him on the playground. I won't go into my childhood too much, but I learned through step work that my childhood experiences contributed a lot to my very low self-esteem. It was important to say, It's important to say that this is not why I am a compulsive overeater. These conditions around me instilled in me resentments, jealousy and pride from a very young age fast forward to attitude and eating incidents to build identification with you all just like bill on page one who fancied himself a leader i too had a sense of needing to be a leader wanting to run the show fantasies of being the next carol burnett and if you don't know who she is she was a comedian the carol burnett show in the 70s and i still love her I love the idea of being the center of attention, of being famous and funny. I was accepted into an improv comedy group and performed with them weekly. I wanted to be a star, but they told me I was getting fat. So I started dieting. And just like all of you, I tried lots of different diets. I tried the pills too, horrible pills that kept me awake. During this period of my life, I met my now deceased ex-husband. He was a cook in a restaurant where I was a waitress. He sang romantic mariachi songs to me and wooed me into falling for him. We moved in together. He said, no one will ever love you like I love you and wanted to get married. I eloped with him and we kept it a secret from my family for a couple of years. Suffice it to say that he was the best cook I ever met. I had no boundaries around food and ate whatever he cooked at whatever time in whatever quantities. That's when the improv people told me to diet. Victor, and that was his name, didn't like me being in the improv group, and I left. Life was centered around him, an Al-Anon story, and not for this talk. Later, we married in a church and had children. That I feel I did right. I have no regrets because I have three amazing kids, though they are all adults today. But in the early days, life got very small. After uh, unsuccessful work situations, I became a stay at home mom. I basically lived to take care of my kids, go shopping for groceries, and eat. I was addicted to soap operas and watched the skinny actresses while shoving Kraft macaroni and cheese in my mouth and fantasizing about them. Being thin like them someday. My husband didn't work the last five years of our 17 year marriage. We were poor by American standards and on food stamps and welfare. Life was very small. Four walls, food, TV, and watching everyone else live their lives. Watching my sisters go to college, get married, have careers, and have lives. Forms of entertainment for us were going to the library to borrow books and videos. No money to do much else. After several years of that and going to OA meetings, I got the courage to leave. This was extremely painful, and it's another long story, but my husband was removed by the courts. Then it was me and the kids and my life as a single mom. I still attended OA with no knowledge of the big book. I hated being overweight and watched skinny trainers on TV in the morning. So, I began exercising in my living room and jogging around the neighborhood. No change in my eating habits, which were hiding Dove bars and Hershey's Nuggets in my nightstand drawers. My OA meetings were not much help, much like dieting with group support. Once in a while, some intergroup people from the LA office would come up and do workshops. I learned some things, but never a solution. I suppose that exercising would be the solution. I heard from a yoga teacher about drinking flax oil and wheat germ, which in reality was just a laxative. So I drank that stuff. Later, I went to college with help from the county welfare to work programs. I got an associate's degree and became a teacher's assistant. I continued on with college and I got a teaching credential. I always belonged to a gym and became addicted to harder workouts. I wore my body out working off the calories I ate. I attended meetings, but didn't put down the food. Soon I developed plantar fasciitis and shoulder problems. And like Bill, who ignored warnings about strong drink, I ignored what the doctors told me about overworking my body. I didn't wanna stop eating my favorite foods, which were a lot of fast food joints. I overexercised and used laxatives Eventually, the overeating affected my shoulder, and I continued to ignore doctor's advice to stop punching bags because I did boxing. Uh, I also was in uh, Taekwondo, and I got two black belts. (laughs) Um, I was hoping that those classes would work off the calories. A lot of my um, karate was really, I just was thinking about burning calories. I attended OA meetings weekly in Santa Clarita. I got a new sponsor and did everything but read the big book and take the prescribed specific directions. I had showy, charismatic shares and dieted with group support. My college education earned me a bachelor's and a master's degree and eventually a doctorate. Still in OA, clueless and asleep. Dieting, obsessing about my weight was a way of life. And yes, I sponsored people with whom I had no business sponsoring. One Sunday in my Saturday OA meeting, a thin, serene-looking woman came along and shared about how the big book changed her life. She looked so calm and serene, and I wanted what she had, a thin body with little serenity, with a little ser- serenity thrown in. I followed up on her, and she introduced me to a big book phone group. I called the group, left my information, and I got a call within a couple of days, Stacy K, who became my sponsor. She took me through the book. I experienced some changes, but still did not let go of my alcoholic foods. This group didn't emphasize the doctor's opinion, and I still did not understand my problem. I knew about dieting and sharing, but that was knowledge. Of course, that knowledge availed me nothing. I went to the Los Angeles OA birthday parties. I think I don't think I've missed one in all those years. Retreats, special events. I had sponsors. Inappropriately sponsored others. Had lots of fellowship, but no psychic change. I sat in on Harlan's talk on the Big Book at the Big Book birthday parties. I met Roseanne. I stood in line to get her signature in the book about the wildest dreams book. I met Maxine several times who is 90 years old now none of this experience brought me to a knowledge of my real problem stacy and i were not working in a after a while stacy and i were not working in a sponsor sponsee relationship but still remained friends and we still are to this day she mentioned a vision for you meetings on the phone i had been attending other types of phone meetings so i gave vision for you a try this was 5 years ago I woke up at 4 a.m. to hear the recovery, the the stability, and the truth. I introduced myself as a newcomer and received lots of phone calls. Soon, I heard someone share their phone number with an area code that I recognized as close to me, and I got a sponsor in my town. She was very helpful, but I still experienced a couple of relapses. Finally, I conceded to my innermost self that I was and am a real compulsive eater. I learned that I have an allergy to certain foods, coupled with the obsession of the mind. I listened to a lot of special editions, like Ruth's on Entire Abstinence, Harlan on Everything, Kim G., Russ M., Leon B., and my brother, Charles H. We all have this thing in common. My last binge was two years ago. I was seeing a therapist as a result of honest Step work and suggested by a big book teacher with whom I greatly respect. I left the therapist's office in downtown Pasadena where there is a Blaze pizza joint. They have cauliflower crust. Hmm, that's not white flour. I can do that. Just a slice. Well, one slice turned into more and eventually whole pizzas while driving on my way home from therapy. Was that abstinence? No. I got honest about it heard a woman with whom I admired put out her name for a sponsorship, and I called her. I'm gonna get a drink of
2: water. Hang on. Thank you.
1: I called her. She agreed to sponsor me, and we talked every morning about food. She told me to make friends with green vegetables. So I'm so fortunate to work with her. She's a humble lady and puts the mirror up to me to see the truth. She helped me with a food plan, and I use a combination of her suggestions, a very well-known nutritionist, and a very well-known nutritionist who works with a lot of OAs. I met the real me through a thorough four through nine step work. I saw what jealousy did to me and how the behavior affected the people around me how I isolated myself because I was too jealous and prideful to be the real me around others. I compared myself to others and always tried to elevate myself above them. I was so indifferent towards my sisters due to my jealousy, but today I have good meaningful relations and deep relations with them. Today, I live my authentic self. I have a college education, and a career, and I am a specialist in education. I worked hard to receive the letters before and after my name, but I feel my real purpose in life is to fit myself to be of service to God and the people about me. How do I spend my time and talents today? Well, first, I stay in fit spiritual condition. By waking up every morning, hitting my knees, lighting candles at my home altar, and taking directions from pages 86, through 88. I read my Bible and meditate to get guidance and direction and power from God who's relevant in my life. I spend most almost every day taking people through the steps. I ask God through step seven prayers to remove my defects almost daily. Today my food plan is not about what I cannot eat. It's about what I can eat. Oh my God, there are so many wonderful, God-given, naturally delicious foods on this earth. Such color, variety, and nutrients. I love to purchase vegetables and fruits from farmer's markets. I marked off a section in my backyard and put in a raised bed and container garden. I have quite this green sun. I grow tomatoes, carrots, lettuce, cucumbers, various melons squash, berries, onions, garlic, carrots, and pumpkins, and probably a lot more than that. And I've also um, learned about how bees are so necessary for pollination, so I grow a lot of flowers and herbs to attract bees. Um, I would like to become a master gardener to help communities stop gardens, and someone's unmuted, please. Instead of scrolling on social media, wasting my time feeling sorry for myself i get out in my garden weed trim and just admire and appreciate god's creation i have a dog a lab named louis who is my constant companion he teaches me unconditional love i had two dogs for many years but recently my 12 year old my 12 year old sadie crossed the rainbow bridge i'm a volunteer ambassador for my city I sing in the church choir and sometimes mentor young single moms. I have been single many years. My biggest fear on my inventories were fear of being single and alone for the rest of my life. I've asked my kind, loving, caring, and funny higher power to remove that fear, and he has. Yes, I want to share my life with someone, but I'm asking God about it. I've made good friends in OA, The first Vision for You convention I went to, I volunteered to share my room with someone who was looking for a roommate. It turned out that we both share the love of theater, and after the convention, we went to Broadway shows. She was a tour guide in Manhattan and knows her stuff. I wanted to say the S word, but I'll say stuff. (laughs) I have stayed with her in her home as well. We have been on theater excursions. She, be, she came to the last OA birthday party in person and stayed here with me. We went to a show on Hollywood Boulevard with a few other ladies with whom I am friends with. Today, I live in the steps and they are interwoven in my life. I don't need special, extra special attention. I don't need to be noticed and the head of vast enterprises. One definition of humility is having a right view of oneself no more no less today i try to see everyone as human and myself as another bozo on the bus when i get a compliment i say thank you when i get pissed and scared i do 10 steps i ask god to remove the fear and call people who understand today i am accepted in an oa just as i am one of you i have lost over 60 pounds and I have kept a healthy body weight due to eating a healthy food plan. Thank you for my recovery. I hear you all. I salute you all, and I thank you for
2: listening. I pass. Thank you so much, Raz, for
0: sharing your story this morning. Such an inspiring story of transformation as a result of the 12 steps. Thank you so very much for a beautiful presentation. The SHARE ID for today, 17,421. That's 17421. Roz's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Roz by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name.
2: Saree C? Suri Emily S? Uh Katie C.,
0: and Katie C., all right, let's get started with these three, and then we'll grab more names. Let's begin with Suri C., good morning, siri. your question, please.
3: Hi. So you spoke about power, um, and sort of tapping into that power. Um, how do you, um, like if you're, with your awareness of power with regards to food and the fact that the power that the food had on you, um, and and in relationship to other parts of, how do you interplay with power if you're, and, and, you know, let, your higher power sort of takes the place of the food, the power the food was giving you um, in a positive way?
1: Oh, well, lots of prayer and meditation. And I, as my sponsor said, I became friends with green vegetables. (laughs) I became friends with vegetables. And I, what I see as natural foods to me are God-given foods. They're natural and they don't need to be processed, and they come from the earth, which I believe, you know, that God God created. And so, I had to pray a lot. It sucks at first. It's there's a lot of um, uh, uh, what's that word withdrawal. There's there's withdrawal, and it sucks. And I get hit, and I got headaches, and I have a bad attitude, but. You know, if I'm calling people, if, if I'm highly involved and in calling people and sharing how I'm feeling, like, you know, one time I really wanted some chocolate. I, I love, I'm a chocoholic, recovered, choco, recovered chocoholic, and I really wanted chocolate, and um, I, I really love a lady, she, she Joe from Minnesota. I love her her, her shares. They're just amazing, so I listen to her shares a lot, you know, the special editions, and I called her. And she said, maybe there's something in your food plan that um, that is triggering these 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 feelings. So I had to take a look to see what I was eating. And she said, you know, just continue to pray and continue to make those phone calls and continue to ask God to remove. And I did. And as the seven steps says, I believe it's the seven says, we humbly ask him to remove it. So it happens to me if i if I'm in line with god if I'm in alignment with God and I'm working with God, God removes it.
2: it 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 takes action as we hear a lot. I hope that answers your question
0: thank you thank you Surrey C and Emily s please. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Emily S. in Florida. Thank you so much, Roz, for your beautiful presentation and share. Um, my question is, if you could please share a little bit about your Step 2 experience and also what your relationship with exercise looks like as a recovered woman. Thank you so much.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for answer, for, for asking that question. Um, okay. So first is my Step 2 and then exercise. Okay. Um, my sponsor, asked me in step three well she asked me a few questions first in step two was you know what do you believe about God not what you have been taught and what do you need from God and so although I've been you know a you know a a religious person and I've attended church for many years um, I didn't have a relationship with God that was sufficient to remove compulsive over meeting from me and so I had to make a list of attributes that I needed from God and you know I thought that would be sacrilegious and I thought that you know God was going to punish me for that but that did not happen. So for me today is God is loving and kind and God is curious about me. God is ever-present. God is a demonstrator of love and God has a sense of humor And I'm asking God to to be a matchmaker and to a light shiner. So what I did was I sat and I meditated on all of those attributes, and I still do, and trying to align my life, my actions, and my personality and my thoughts with those attributes. And eventually, they, they become a part of my psyche. They become a part of who I am, and they become a part of my behavior. And I, I'm not saying that I'm God. No way. But what I mean is, like those attributes, they are they're they're shared back and forth between God and myself. And and God has become so powerful through those attributes for me. I needed God to be those things for me, and they work. But it takes action of prayer, and then meditation as well, because the eleventh step says we thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. So I I have to do that, and I do that twice a day, if not more. So today, exercise for me is I'm a regular yoga practicer, and I practice yoga a few times a week. Um, It's gentle, and it's loving and kind, and there's always a meditation through the Savasana pose at the end. I love that. I walk my dog every day. I take him to the park. And I have a, one of those new bikes. I, I won't le- say the name, but I have a bike, uh, in my garage and they're about half hour workouts and I, and I do my cardio through that. And, uh, I used to belong to gyms and I don't today anymore. And also the bike that I have enables me to attend, you know, meetings. So I don't center my life around workout times anymore. I, I, I make up my own, except for, uh, the yoga center, but they have a lot of times. And it's only one workout a day, not, hours and you know 2 or 3 hours of different workouts which i used to do and that's what it looked like for me and i forgot to mention in my talk that i've had two surgeries due to my you know over abusing my body one was on my my heel because of the plantar fasciitis the other on my shoulder and of course i ignored the doctors and kept working out but through this psychic change and the humility of not and you know just eating regular foods i don't need to have to work off the calories anymore and I hope thank you. I hope that answered your question.
0: Thank you, Emily S. for your question. Now we have a question from Katie C. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you so much for uh what you're saying.
2: Um, my question would be uh the first thing that I would
0: have to do would be roll it over to the creator and then I was wondering about, you know, with stretches. I, I have a bad knee. And you're talking about certain you know, like yoga and stuff that are like a low impact thing. I was wondering if I uh, if the stretches would would be like a better exercise than doing know, like a stair stepper
1: machine and stuff like that? I would recommend you talk to your doctor about what you need for your body. Mm -hmm. Okay. But for me, I had to do much gentler. I also love swimming, but I don't have a pool. So when I get a chance, I get in the pool. Okay. At the Y or at my daughter's uh, place. She has a pool where she lives. Um, but like like I said, mm-hmm. I would recommend you ask your doctor. Okay.
2: Thank you, Thank Katie C for the
0: question and welcome to you. Okay, who else has a question for uh star one to unmute? Adele R. Adele Anna, Anna, S. S. Anna S.
3: Christina J.
0: Melissa C. Chris Christina J. Melissa C. Kathy K. Heather O. Kim T. Kim T. Okay. That's a good lineup. We have Adele R., Anna S., Christina J., Melissa C. Cynthia C., Kathy K., and Heather O., and Kim T. Everybody please mute, except for Adele R. Your question, please.
3: Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your share. I was wondering if you could expand a little on you mentioned about.
2: Whoops, we lost you there, Adele R., star one to unmute.
0: Okay, oh, I hear you. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. I was talking away.
3: Um, thank you so much for your share. I was wondering if you could expand a little on the transition of your relationship with your siblings and um, the peace that you said
1: you're
0: feeling now. Thank you.
1: Yes. Um, I have two sisters, one elder and one younger. I'm the middle child. And um, I was always jealous of them because they didn't seem to have weight problems. And they had their lives together. And I was married and living on welfare and fat and unhappy. And um, I I isolated myself from them because I was just too ashamed and, and embarrassed to be around them. Um, and then I was mean to them as well. I didn't talk about that a lot in my share, but I was mean to both of them because that was a way of for me to get them away from me, to, you know, repel them from me because I didn't want them to see how, you know, how I was living. Um, and I wrote and I shared a lot about them in my step work. So, you know, I would share about, well, who do I have resentments against? Wendy and Leslie. Well, why? Because of this and this and this and that. And then when did it come to the place where well you know, where were you uh where were you wrong? Or you know those questions that it says uh in the in the fourth step, where was I wrong? And you know, I'm a little nervous on this talk, so I can't come up with the exact words right now, but you know, and I had to look at myself. And I was judgmental of them, I was self righteous, I was just a B I T C H. Oh, here it is. You know, um, wait, let me see. I'm looking in the book to ask those questions. Um, Where was I selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate? Whom did I hurt? Did I unjustly alive jealousy, suspicion, bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should I have done instead? My goodness, I did not accept my sisters for who they were because one of my sisters is a practicing Buddhist and I was like, you know, Christians don't always look well upon other religions and today I'm not like that in the least but I was. And um one of my sisters is is uh, is gay and of course I was you know brought up in the 70s and that was like what? But today I'm not anything like I used to be at all. I love her and I accept her and I just spent time with her in New Orleans and, and stayed with her and, and her uh, and her girlfriend, you know? And um I was just mean and jealous and judgmental and unkind, you know? And those are ugly things about me that were just ugly. But God has removed all that from me. And today, I have great relationships with my sisters. And I was jealous of my other sister because she could always get boyfriends and she got married and she has a really nice husband. I was jealous of that. (laughs) And then, but today, I've asked God to give me acceptance because what guy would want to be with me if I'm sitting there being jealous and judgmental of everybody? I don't think so. So um, today, I you know I have a really good relationship with my sisters. I have living amends with them, with both of them. Meaning I show interest in their lives. I call them. I ask them how they're doing. Sometimes we do three-way Facetimes um, with my younger sister. She's out. She's in town actually till the that today's her birthday, we're going to go to the beach today. Um, I make sure that I am showing her that I have changed. And, you know, she had some stuff too, but it was my inventory. Remember the big book says it's for us to look at, not for, you know, for me to point fingers at her. So um, just to answer your question in another way, just to say I, I show them through action and through living amends, how I, how I love them and how I've changed, and we have beautiful, close relationships, and our, both of our parents are aging, they're in their eighties, and so you know sometimes we just talk about how we're going to how we going to take care of our parents and what's going to happen after they pass. I hope this answers your, your question. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Adele R, for your question. Anna S., your turn. Hi, it's Anna S. from New York. Thank you for taking my question,
0: Roz, and thank you for your uh, qualification. It was wonderful. In answering someone else's question, you stressed the phrase to improve our conscious contact with God, and I wanted to know when did that start becoming a priority in, in your recovery? Thank you.
1: Um, there's there's a a big book teacher that a lot of us listen to that he gives like these one-year workshops and he stresses the importance of improving a conscious contact with God. And um, I really took that to heart. And my sponsor asked me in the very beginnings of our talks, do you have a meditation practice? And I thought I did, but I really didn't. And so, it was through talks with my sponsor, through attending the workshop, and actually attending meditation sessions, you know, going to meditation sessions, sitting in quiet, which was, you know, not really comfortable. But today, I can't live without it. Um, it's It's an extremely important part of my life. There's almost not a day that goes by that I don't pray and meditate. But as I'm human, I'm not perfect. And if it doesn't happen, I try to make it happen later on in the day. But I'd have to say, is when my sponsor asked me, this was my, you know, because I have two years of abstinence now. I've been in the OA for many years. But she asked me, "Do you have a meditation practice?" And when you sit with that still, quiet voice, and have an understanding of who God is in your life it really comes through, through quiet. So I'd have to say that was when when she asked me point blank, do you have a meditation practice? And then the other person said, well, God wasn't relevant in my life. I mean, I tried to pretend like he was, but he wasn't. And I did the same thing. So actually taking action on sitting in quiet has been of vital importance to my life. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Anna S., for your question. Christina J., your turn.
3: Good morning, Maya. Good morning, Roz. Um, thank you for your wonderful share. Um, I have a question about the relapse cycle. And when you got here, what would have been your last relapse? Did you have that step one experiential moment around that? And can you kind of go into what that looked like, how it felt, and what you did? Uh, during that time, where that really brought you out of that last potential relapse and finally admitting that you could not do this again, and then the second question is, um, I think you mentioned i 'm not quite sure that your mom had compulsive overeating, and if she did, did she ever recover and did Did you have an amends to her as well around that since she kind of treated you a little weird when you were younger? Okay, thank you.
1: Okay. Um well no, my mom always never treated me weird when I was younger, so just to say no, that never happened. Uh my parents were both drinkers. My dad was um down to drinking Listerine. Um, that's the kind of drinker he was. Uh, my mother was a a daily drinker. Um but my mom uh stopped drinking with the church. My dad went to AA. Um so uh, my mother smoked a lot to try to, um, curb her appetite. Uh, these are like, you know, 1970s style parenting and, and life. Um, and then with my last relapse, well, I was sitting in the car, it, you know, in my car eating a whole cauliflower BS crust pizza. That doesn't look like abstinence to me. And no, I didn't have a light bulb. I cannot do this anymore. I had heard it over and over and over again. I just didn't want to practice it. I wanted to continue eating what I wanted to eat. And that was really, I was resentful towards that because I wanted to be different. I wanted to come to the meetings. I wanted the fellowship. But I wanted to sneak my food on the side. But that doesn't work. It bites you in the butt. And it's dishonest, and I can't live like that anymore. So I stopped doing that, um, and there was no light bulb moment. It just it just happened over time that um, the pizza showed me I can't do this anymore. And I also had problems with uh, chocolate too, and I haven't had I haven't had chocolate in over three years, but it was the pizza that did it. Thank you, Christine. I love you.
2: Thank you Christina J, Melissa C. You're up.
3: Hey, good morning. It's Melissa C recovered in New York. Um thank you so much. I really um I got a lot out of what you were sharing and I was I was kind of laughing when you were talking about making friends with vegetables cuz um I I like I I so it's related to my question. So I feel very like i love I love vegetables, I love the rainbow like all of it it's they're beautiful and i and I'm wondering like I fed my children when they were younger the worst possible food because because of this disease I just you know a lot of fast food, a lot of convenience food um and and now i'm living where like I celebrate vegetables and I tell everyone how beautiful they are, and I'm wondering. What was your experience with that, and and how have you? Um, I don't want to shove it down anyone's throat, you know. I want to be the best possible example, and I'm just wondering what your experience was around you and your and your children, where food is concerned. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Yes, me too, Melissa. Uh, a lot of Jack in the Box, a lot of McDonald's, a lot of In and Out. That's what we did. You know, I did. I, I took them to those places and hometown buffet too and um uh so unfortunately you know since i've been recovered for 2 years and my children are in their 20s um they 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 were deprived of a lot of of nutritious foods um when when we were growing up also being on welfare and being poor um you know there's a lot of food there's a lot of nutrition nutritious poor people in the united states and i was one of them and um, today with the vegetables, okay, so my my sponsor said, to, you know, I hated the thought of steamed broccoli. I, I just was like, I, I hated that because steamed broccoli sucks. Who wants to eat that? So she said, why have you considered trying stir-fry vegetables? And so I really hadn't. And so I would put a teaspoon, a tablespoon of oil, and I bought all kinds of different oils, like sesame oil, sesame oil with chili in it. It's so good. And that would count as my morning fat. And I would cut up like spinach and kale and um, celery and mushrooms. I mean, a pl- just a variety of vegetables and stir fry them. And they are delicious. And then I'd say, well, what do you mean vegetables for breakfast? And she said, well, why don't you make yourself a vegetable omelet? So I'd weigh out the vegetables and, you know, fry them up and put them in a delicious omelet with salsa in it. And it was so delicious. So it took me, you know, she shared with me ways of cooking vegetables that were beyond the steamed broccoli. And I got, I fell in love with them. and so then going to farmer's markets, I've become a a vegetable snob. (laughs) I mean, getting frozen vegetables sucks. I like to go to farmer's markets to go, you know, and and talk with the farmers and buy the vegetables and they taste so delicious. So, it is, you know, where you buy them, how fresh they are and the preparation that makes them more delicious. So, um, doing that, like actually doing that uh, there's one farmers market that I visit in Oxnard, near the beach, and my kids love that. So they watch me buying the vegetables, cooking them, and eating them. And one of my daughters does the same thing that I do. Uh, she's in AA. Thank God for that. And um, she now cooks her. Wait, you know, has all these means of, of vegetable cook- cooking. I have another daughter that is one of us and is still in her disease, and so it's um, difficult. But you know. What can I do? I just I just live live the example instead of talk the example. But my kids do have resentments of me not having any sugar in the house because I've been in OA this whole time. I just didn't practice, so I know I was kind of all over the place with that answer, Melissa. But today I live I live it. I don't talk it. I just live it. I I take action. I cook the right foods. And they're adults now, so they have their own ways of, of doing their lives. Thank
0: you. I hope that was so, somewhat helpful.
2: Thanks, Melissa C. Cynthia C., your turn.
3: Thank you so much, um, everybody, for making this meeting happen today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It was just, just uh, touched my heart in many ways. Um, I'm wondering you've, you've talked about it some, but could you dig in a little deeper to a you know your your daily 11 step your your prayer meditation practice. What do you do each day? And then you also talked about doing 10 steps, which are a big part of my recovery, my daily recovery. And I just you know, can you tell me a little bit more, like how, you know your 10 step practice and your 11 step practice? I I would love to hear it, and I'm assuming other people might like to hear that too. With that, I
0: passed. Thank you very much.
3: Yes.
1: Uh, I love that you asked that because its, it's I love it. Um, I have an altar, you know, in my bedroom. And I have candles. And I have Bible scriptures. And I have my big book. So in the morning, I get up and um, I would be lying if I say I hit my knees everything first thing in the morning because I have a human body and my bladder is talking to me in the morning. So I need to go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. I go to my place in my room. I light the candles. And I pick out a scripture, and it's there. And I met, and I sit and I, and I look at it, and then I, I, of course, I do what the the big book says, and I say, God, please divorce my thinking from selfish, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. And I have candles, and it's dark because I like to listen to the four a.m. meeting. You know, for me, it's four a.m. For you guys on the east coast, it's seven a.m. So it's still dark here. So, um. I get up before that, and I, it's it's just dark and it's quiet, and I get on my knees, and it's as if I was at a church altar, and it's it's the the candlelight is just so beautiful, and so I I lift up my hands and I just say you know God please please you know give me guidance and direction for this day, I pray my very own uh, third step and seventh step prayers which I've you know which was encouraged to be my, my sponsor and I encourage my sponsees to do. And I have, you know, like the big book says, it says, you know, if you have a practice, we encourage you to do that. And so I read um, the 24-hour-a-day AA little black book, which is amazing. It's so spiritual. I have all of the, the readers from all the programs, so I don't read them all every day. But, you know, if I need to look up a topic or something, I use those readers. And uh, the twelve and twelve steps, six and seven, are so powerful to me. So I use those. I use the big book, of course, and I use and I use scripture in the Bible because I'm a Christian. That's the religion that I practice. Um, and I sit. So after I read, um, I sit in quiet, and I have Tibetan bell. I, I ring the bell. It, it it helps me go within. And I just sit in quiet. And, you know, some, you know, two-way prayer has been a trendy topic in 12-step rooms recently. And, you know, that's really nice as well, just to sit and listen and act as if God is talking to me. What would God be saying about this? And, you know, a lot of times God will say, you know, fear not. I haven't come this, you know, I haven't brought you this far, far to drop you. I, I'm here for you. I'm here with you. You are doing just fine. Remember who you are. You're, you're beautiful, and I love you, and I created you. And, you know, then there's certain things that sometimes I need direction on, like when my dog, I had to put my dog down, I needed God's direction on when it was time to do that. Or if something's bothering me with my children, I need direction on what I need to say. Okay, and then with 10 steps, I have, a 10 st- I have a God squad. I have, you know, people that I call. I have two, two, one to two particular people in, in particular that I send a nightly review to just about every night and a gratitude list just about every morning. I say just about because there are once in a while that I forget or that I'm in a rush. But those nightly reviews have changed my life because I look at them. And every day, I'm resentful towards something because somebody didn't do it my way. And very seldom do I say I was not resentful. But once in a while, I have a day where I'm not. But most days, something disturbs me about somebody. Was I kind and loving towards all? I like to think so. But when I look in the mirror and I see, you know, I had a C-section with my last son, my last child. And I have a little flab in my stomach that's going to always be there because of the surgical line, and I hate it. Well, there I go again. Um, I don't like to see that little flab. I want to have an hourglass stomach. You know, I want—I have body dysmorphia, so. But that doesn't work. That that doesn't work. That's exhausting. So I look to see: Am I being kind and loving towards myself when I start criticizing my body? No. So I've learned through those through those nightly reviews and through um, my 10th step when I call people that, wait a minute, where am I at fault here? And it always turns me into having a better attitude and using the prayer. This is a sick person like me. Help me to show them kindness, tolerance, patience, and love. God, remove my fear of, of this, this, and this, and this. Show me how you would have me be. And it always turns me around every single time. And it's important to build a, a a God squad, to get involved and to have phone numbers and to make those outreach calls, which who wants to do that at first? I don't know too many people. All right, I hope I answered that question. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Cynthia C. Kathy Kay, your turn.
2: Thank you, Lina. Thank <laughs> And thank you, Roz. it's great to hear you today. Um, You may have said
0: all you can about this question already, but I'm going to ask it. I've been
3: focused recently on Steps 6 and 7 and trying to develop a deeper understanding of what it takes to really practice willingness and humility.
0: Uh, And so I was going to ask you, Um, do you
3: have any character defects that are particularly stubborn, and how do you embrace the work of six and seven to help you with them?
1: Yes, I didn't want to let go of being afraid of being single for the rest of my life. That one was, that one would not let me go for years and years and years, and, um, Man, I never thought that I would ever be able to get over that. I wanted to cling to um, you know being uh, like it was being on dating websites and always think you know hoping and always trying to look good so that I would attract some guy and stuff and where do those you know I don't know if those character defects have uh specific terms, but I mean that's exhausting because it's not just, you know, living my life free and accepting of who I am and where I am. And so I had to simply just pray and ask God every day, God, please remove, you know, the word it says step six, is there something we're, we're still clinging to? We ask God to let, to let go of that. God, please help me to be willing to let go of my fear of being single for the rest of my life. And so I did get into another program for that, and I worked the steps around that, and it helped immensely. So today, that's gone. And it's even scary to say that, but it's gone. I'm really happy just the way I am. If I have somebody in my life, that would be great. But if I don't, I'm very happy just the way I am. So that was a lingering one. And jealousy. I read books on jealousy I I sought a therapist, and we talked about that in the office. And uh, a jealousy is a lot of being ungrateful and and for, for for what I do have in my life and what God has given me. And so I do a gratitude list every morning. And boy, does that wipe out jealousy and me looking at what I don't have versus what I do have. So um, I hope that answers your question. But that really is specific to
2: me. Thanks, Kathy Kay. Heather O. Your turn. Hi, Hi. thank you so much for your sharing. Uh, you just
3: barely touched on it a little bit, but I really struggle with um, I'm not enough and jealousy, and I think I have, like, mean girl tendencies. And um, I don't have any sisters. I'm just jealous of sister-in-law. Lo- I can be jealous of everybody. Because it means I'm not getting,
2: um, I'm lacking, and there's not enough for me. Thank you. You said it. Uh, My suggestion would be to keep
1: asking God to remove it from you and to practice gratitude every day.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Heather,
1: o, for your question, Kim T. Good morning, this is Kim T. Um, Roz, thanks so much for your share, Leah. As always, thanks for
3: your service. Um, my questions have really been answered, but if you can say anything else about these, the first
1: is at the beginning. You talked, to, or either you or Leah said something about
3: comparing. And as I've been listening, I realize when I do gratitude list daily, that helps me. But is there anything else that helped you get over comparing?
1: Because that has just been such a monkey on my back, such a character
3: defect. And then the second thing is, practically speaking, do you do eleven step review at night? I'm so tired. Oops, there's
1: someone unmuted. Um, I'm really tired. Or do you do it in the morning, or just really practically? How do you review your day, or when? And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I understand being jealous. I do. It's 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 the biggest, the biggest one, the biggest one that for me was to get over that jealousy. Um, And of course, you said it. It's practicing gratitude, and looking at what God has given, and um, it is exhausting. To compare myself to other people because God made me who I am, and it's just exhausting. It it it's like comparable to the overexercising. Overexercising is exhausting because you've got to plan for the class. You know, I'd run home from work, run to the gym, and uh, always looking to see you know when the next class was, and um, making sure that I you know was taking the the. The one that was the hardest one, where I was going to burn off the most calories and sweat the most. And that is exhausting, mentally and physically exhausting. And then when I'm comparing myself to other people, I'm trying to be something that I'm not. And that is exhausting. There's a freedom to acceptance, you know it's like I guess next week's talk is something about the acceptance is the answer, oh my God, just simple acceptance of who I am and what I have, and yes i want to i want to um I want to look good, I think we all do, so i you know i may I'll buy makeup or i'll I'll try to look nice with fashion and stuff like that, but I don't, you know, I'm not as beautiful as, you know, there a, there's a couple of particular ladies on on this on, on our meet in our meetings. They're they're beautiful. I'm not like them, but I have my own beauty. And boy, did I have hang ups about that growing up because I'm a Creole girl and I grew up around, you know, Caucasian ladies, uh, girls who had blonde hair and straight long straight long blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, and I had curly hair and brown eyes. And that started this horrible comparison thing of I'm not like you, but kids are cruel and they still are and I just had to learn that God made me the way I am and I have to accept it, but that doesn't come easily. That comes through sitting with God in meditation daily, so... This talk is, you know, I could say what I'm saying, but the 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 proof is when you sit down and do it. Like Carlin says, this is not a program for people who want it. This is not a program for people who need it. This is a program for people who do it. It's so simple but not easy. So I, I'm hoping that I
2: answered your question, but it is a question of action. Thank you. Thank you, Kim T. Okay, we still have
0: some time for a few more questions. Anything else on your mind? Star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Bethany B. Bethany L. Was that Julie? Terry K. Terry K. Anyone else? I still don't catch the name after Bethany. Jody E. Okay, Jody E. Thank you, Jody. Okay,
2: let's go with these. Bethany, Beginning with Bethany B., please. Star one to unmute. Bethany? Thank you, Thank you, so, you much so much for your much service, service today.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nancy? Yes, uh, Nancy will be after Bethany. Bethany, please go ahead with your question.
2: I was wondering what you say to your sponsees. About what? I'm sorry, Bethany, but I think we lost you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Go ahead.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm wondering how you what you tell your sponsees about finding a higher power who are not of your faith. How do you help them find a power of their own understanding?
1: Uh. Uh, I answered uh, that a little earlier, but hopefully it's the same as I asked them to ask themselves, what do you believe about God and what do you need God to be for you? And not to answer that question right away, but to sit for a few hours with it. And if they don't believe in God, then what 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 do you believe about a higher power? And what do you believe that higher power needs to be for you? But don't just sit there and answer it. Go sit quietly in meditation and do it. And every time, and I've worked with a lot of people some of other faiths, they all have
0: answers. So it comes. That's what I do. Thank you. Thanks, mm-hmm. Bethany. Nancy.
2: Nancy L, your turn. Star one ton mute. Thank you. Thanks, Roz. Are
1: you on a speakerphone? No.
0: Am I still echoing now?
1: No, not even now.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Yes, I was just wondering if I think I heard you say something about measuring vegetables. Do you weigh and measure all of your food? And that's my question. Thanks so much.
1: Um, Almost all of it, yes. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes if it's a medium-sized apple, I don't measure it. Um, there are two, there's a protein that I eat in the morning, that two and a half is four ounces, so I don't have to measure that because I know that if I eat two and a half of those, it's four ounces. So, but yes, I have a kitchen scale, and I, I weigh and measure my food. It's reality. And there are some oatmeal and stuff that I eat that i that yes, I, I get my third cup out and I weigh it. So yes,
2: or measure. Yes, yes, yes. It's humility and reality. And that's my answer for that one. Thanks, Nancy, for your question. Carrie Kay, your turn to ask a question. Star one to unmute Carrie or Terry. Mm. Perhaps not. Okay, Jody E. Star one to unmute Jody. Jody's having difficulty unmuting. Terry K, are you able to unmute? Star one to unmute. Jody E, are you able to unmute?
0: This is Terry Kaye. Can I be heard? I had to... Yeah, yes, very good. Thanks for your perseverance. Go ahead with okay. your question. Excellent. Thank you. I wasn't able to unmute before. Um, thank you for yes. your service, and thank you, Roz, for your talk. I um, I don't want to be redundant. I know that Roz has talked about the faith question with sponsees. Um I share your faith, um, and personally, when sponsoring, wonder, how do you suggest I overcome my...
2: Mm-hmm. You got cut off. How do you suggest you overcome your what? Wow, a little bit of technical problems warning, but I didn't understand how do I overcome something. I'm so sorry, but I couldn't get that question because she was yeah, cut off.
0: Sorry, uh, yes, I don't know, some kind of technical challenge going on here. Um, Terry, you want to try again to start one to unmute or dial back in? Jody, how about you? Are you able to unmute at this point?
2: Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <My dear. laughs>
0: <laughs> the name of the game you go ahead yeah
3: Mm -hmm. thank you Leia and thank you Roz what a great share um I also live in California and uh sometimes rarely though get on the 4 a.m. meeting you must be getting up sometime at three o'clock or so so I'm just wondering how you manage your day with doing that every day how do you I'm go to bed very early? Do you take a nap? <laughs>
1: well, I go to bed early. I go to bed early, and the truth is, is that I listen from four to four thirty. At four thirty, I I I hang up, and then I go to my prayer and meditation time. My real, you know, prayer and meditation time. Because yeah, the first thing I do is ask God to remove my my stuff, and then um, I. Get back on at seven o'clock. So I listen to about maybe a half an hour to forty-five minutes of the of the four a.m. meeting, and then it's my God time and my spa time. And then at seven a.m., I'm a, I'm, I'm actually more present uh, in the seven a.m. meeting for us on the on the West Coast. So that's the meeting where I do most. You know, if like if Leah or Melanie ask for readers, pe- I'll I'll say, hey, I can do this day of the week or whatever. If it's during the school year um i may i may volunteer to do those things for the four a m meeting so it's fluid and it changes. but my morning consists of you know this
2: meeting, about and god i hope that I hope that makes sense <laughs> hope that helps. Thank you, Jody, for the question. Let's reach out to Terry again, Terry Kaye. Are you back on the line to pose your question? All right. Perhaps not.
0: It might remain a mystery. (laughs) But your transformation is not a mystery, uh, Roz. Thank you so much for your beautiful share this morning, so rich and profound, And uh, just a beautiful example of what's possible through the implementation of these 12 steps and continued spiritual work. Very obvious in your share. So thank you very much. Share ID for today, 17,421. That's 17421 for today's presentation. Thank you to all who posed questions this morning. And now we will close from page 164, a chapter entitled, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come.